Hey, hey everyone, this is Darlene and welcome back to the All That Is Empath podcast. Today I want to talk about intuition and I definitely have several instances where intuition has made a huge difference in my life Um, and like many of you probably, I didn't originally really trust my intuition. Um, I didn't even know I was an empath at the time of some of these experiences I'm going to tell you about so I I didn't trust it I would feel something and if I ever expressed it to anyone they would always just tell me oh you're paranoid you're paranoid and you know eventually I started to believe it but looking back now that I'm aware of what I I'm aware of that now that I know um, there's so many situations where intuition literally saved my life. Uh, The first one I'm going to tell you about, I was in my 20s and uh, and by the way, let me just briefly say, uh, for those of you who don't know, I think everybody pretty much understands what intuition is, but just in case, uh, intuition is that gut feeling that you get. Um, you, You feel like you know something that you just couldn't possibly know. And that's why we question it a lot of the times because, um, you know, it seems a little out there that we might be able to feel things that we're actually feeling. And so often we disregard it that, that, oh, it's just my imagination or I'm just, you know, being a scaredy cat or, you know, whatever. Um, But intuition is very, very real um, and it's our inner being communicating with us. Um, It's a connection that we have to source. So uh, it's very important to pay attention to our intuition and unfortunately many of us learn that lesson the hard way. But if you have ever um, met somebody and you just immediately, you know, your gut feeling is that you can't trust that person, then don't trust that person. That's your intuition. And we always need to, I'm sure you've heard the expression, trust your gut. And your intuition actually comes from that area, the the solar plexus chakra, in kind of the gut area. Uh, So very interesting um, where some of our phrases come from that we use all the time and we never realize where they actually come from. But that's where that comes from. So uh, back to my first story. I was in my 20s and um, I was working for a private investigator. It was actually a a very fun job that I really liked. And I was doing, um, he he was a private investigator for insurance companies, um, specifically those that paid uh, health insurance claims and things like that. So he he had investigators who would um, basically sit in a car and watch the person's house for when they came out of the house and how they got into their car, if they were wearing a neck brace or a leg brace, if they looked like uh, they were in pain, etc. And then all of that would be recorded by the investigator. And the portion that I did was background investigations. So I would run a background on the individual, which at the time we did not have the internet per se, where, or or we had the internet, but not the World Wide Web the way it is today. So you couldn't just go online and you know, uh, hire a company, you know, to do like a, a background check and find out everything about them. All the things that those companies give you, like you pay $5 for a report on somebody. I did 
uh, the investigation on the person um, specifically through uh, their, their driver's license data, which is was on a what was the name of that company? Um, Auto Track. So you you connected to them through your modem. Yes, <laughs> not an Ethernet internet line, but through your modem you would dial in and connect and then you could search the person's name and get information. And in the same manner, dialing in through your modem, there were um, uh, online databases which are now public information, um, you know, that you can just get through the internet. Back then again, we, we didn't have that, but you would connect to, what we did was connect to different court uh, courthouses for uh, a specific county and then do uh, both a civil and a criminal background check on the person. And if I found anything, that's when my job got interesting because, you know, I had to basically um, translate these court documents into uh, something that made sense that I could put in a report for the client. Um, so it was, it was a great job. And uh, I started, after being there about a year, um, started to get to know the my boss basically the, um, and and his current <laughs> living uh, woman <laughs> which uh, they weren't married and weren't planning on it or anything like that but um, she did live there with him and one day out of the blue they asked me if I would like to go out for drinks with them after work so I was like yeah definitely so we went and um, I was sitting there having a great time with them when almost like from across the room literally uh, I felt pulled and I looked and I thought at first it was there was a man there that looked to me like this man that I had a huge crush on in high school and I thought it was him and I had mentioned this man before to my boss in conversation about me being single, etc. And so they were aware of who he was. And I was like, Oh my God, I think that's so-and-so. And they were like, go talk to him. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, and finally they convinced me to go talk to him. I had uh, pretty bad eyesight, uh, even from young. I think I, I started needing glasses about 12 or 13 and I was not wearing any glasses. Um, could mostly get away with it, but from across the room, I couldn't really make out someone's features. So even though he looked like this guy, as I approached and got and my vision got clearer, I realized it was not the guy. Um, but he was an attractive guy, and I thought, well, I'll go ahead and talk to him. And he was standing at the um, jukebox, and, uh, he didn't really seem too interested at first, you know, but uh, I tend to like that kind of bad boy attitude. And so I, I ended up, as we're talking, liking him more and more. He definitely had that um, danger vibe uh, that I was definitely getting that from him, but I ignored it, again, not really believing in my intuition at that time. And um, instead, I, I wrote it off as, you know, it was a bad boy vibe that, you know, he couldn't possibly really be dangerous. Um, so I left with him and he had asked if I wanted to go for a drive and I said yes and he had uh, this gorgeous 
tricked out Mustang, you know, that was like a tealish green color. It was gorgeous. And uh, my boss, funny enough, um, because I had told them when I was leaving, he was smart enough to walk outside and get his uh, tag, his car tag. And I'm thankful for that, even though nothing happened. I'm going to explain to you what did happen. Um, if something had, at least he would have had that information. So uh, we had decided we were going to go to breakfast. And he was supposed to be driving to like an IHOP or something like that. And I'm noticing that it's getting, we're, we're in less and less of a city area. And it's becoming wooded. And I immediately, my intuition started speaking up again, going, this isn't right. Something's not right here. And I did speak up and I'm like, where, where are we going? And he's like, oh, I just want to show you this place. It's really cool. Yeah, don't worry. You'll see. So, you know, what could I do? I'm, I'm in a car. I can't jump out. I have no idea where I am. And if I did jump out and he was bad, he would just catch me anyway. So I just kind of pretended like I didn't care and I wasn't scared and you know how you get that brave front so finally he stops in this area where I guess they were building new homes so it's completely deserted there's nobody and nothing within miles except you can see half constructed houses and there's a lot of woodsy areas that aren't cleared yet um, and it seems to me I like my memory is that I remember like um, that it was like kind of a swampy area so and this was where I live in uh, Tampa Florida so I get out of the car when we stop and uh, because he got out and he's like come on I want to show you so I get out and uh, he comes around to my side of the car and he goes behind me and um, puts my back to him and just kind of holds me and so I'm like oh okay so he's just wanting kind of a private place to maybe uh, fool around which I wasn't one of those kind of girls you know so that would have been an issue um, I I did with one thing my dad ever instilled in my head was to um, you know have a little pride in myself and not uh, give everything away <laughs> so um, but I did enjoy just the him hugging me because I was attracted to him and, and at the point that's all he was doing was hugging me and we stayed like that for maybe I don't know two minutes if that um, and I'm just kind of enjoying the moment when all of a sudden his hands go from around around my waist area uh, up and up and up and at first I think he's going to try to grope me but then his hands are on my neck and he's not squeezing they're just lightly on my neck and then he whispers to me have you ever been choked before <laughs> and my entire body just went slack because this guy was built you know he wasn't like bodybuilder strong but you know he didn't have bulging muscles or anything but but he was definitely very um, very fit uh, you know very strong and um, and I just knew that if this man wanted to kill me he definitely could um, I was definitely not strong enough to get away from him 
Um, I, there was nowhere that I could run to, and I wasn't in the greatest of shape to be able to run anywhere for any length of time. So I immediately gave up. Like, the minute he said that, my body just went slack, and I was like, all right, well, okay, get it over with. I literally said that, okay, get it over with. And he, I felt his his hands kind of loosen even a little bit more on my neck and he was just I think in shock and he's like what you're not gonna run and I said I turned I turned halfway because of course he's again he's whole, he's got his arms around me or his, around my his hands around my neck so I can't like turn all the way but I I twisted the top of my body to turn around and look at him and I'm like look at you and look at me um, why run there's no point and he kind of just he had, he did look serious when I had first turned and looked at him but then he just kind of cracked a smile and he let go of me and he said I was just kidding and I laughed and I said I know because I didn't know what else to say I was embarrassed you know um, but he, almost immediately he's like let's go get some breakfast and he gets back in the car so we go and we have breakfast um you know he says he he puts me back in my car then after breakfast drives me back walks me to my car says goodbye to me um i gave him my phone number even because i liked the guy this much and again i was not believing my intuition i i accepted on some level i i i knew that i had dodged a bullet but on the, on another level, I again was just denying the possibility and believing he was just joking. So I was I was like 50-50 there, and I really liked the guy. And I I actually when well, you're stupid when you're younger, you know. I, I definitely was stupid. But anyway, I gave the guy my number, and uh, we dated for a little while. And it's only in hindsight when you get a little wisdom behind you that you look back on events like this and you think, damn, I was an idiot. You know, and we think we're so smart, right? We've learned all this stuff in school and, um, you know, we feel like we know everything. We feel smart, but looking back, it's like, damn, you were an idiot, you know? So that, uh, I dodged a bullet, luckily, because I think he felt that if I wasn't, I think maybe it was the struggle that turned him on or something. And if there was going to be no struggle, it was pointless for him to, to do anything. And that's my belief of why I'm still alive today. Um, so yeah, so that happened. <laughs> and the, the intuition portion of the story there, I think is a little obvious, is that if I had trusted my intuition from the beginning, that he was dangerous, I would have never gotten in the car with him. Um, and, you know, again, if, if I had reacted differently to when he said, have you ever been choked, I'd probably be dead today. So I think it would have been very good if I had listened to my intuition, right? Okay, so that is my first story. Um, uh, my second story, and here I was even younger, I was about 12 years old. And it wasn't a danger situation, but it was um, an intuitive feeling I, I got about someone. My uncle, uh, my mom's brother, uh, very, very, very super religious, and um, he had invited my mom to go to his church with him. Um, so we went, and I really didn't want to be there, didn't want to go, but, you know, I, I did the thing, and I 
you know, dressed up and, okay, let's get this over with. Um, and when we got there, my uncle was very excited to introduce the pastor to us because he thought, you know, I guess he just thought this guy was amazing. And I was uh, a little bit rebellious when I was younger. I didn't always follow the status quo um, and would often speak my mind inappropriately. And this case was no different, um, but it was because of what I felt. And again, I didn't really understand what I felt. I didn't know I was an empath, but I did know. What, it, what didn't make sense to me is, is I kind of felt like what the things that I felt must be normal and that everybody felt those things. So I think at this age, that's what I felt. And I just really couldn't believe that they couldn't see what I saw. And when they first introduced me to him, he put out his hand to shake my hand. And I literally looked at his hand kind of in disgust and walked away. And I would not give him my hand. And my mom, I could hear her as I walked away. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. She's never that rude. I don't know what's going oh don't worry you know how teenagers are you know and they're having that conversation and I'm in my head going can't they see that this man is a snake like that literally the the word and almost I mean I, mean, I didn't specifically envision a snake like he looked like a snake or anything but I literally felt snake that's all I could like I didn't hear it I felt it this guy is a snake and wasn't even sure why he was a snake. I just knew he was a snake. He wasn't a good person. And I was real big at the time with not going to be a hypocrite. So to me, knowing what I, I knew about him or thinking I knew what I knew about him, whatever I felt, I didn't want to just pretend that it, because in my mind, I, at the time, again, not understanding that everybody else didn't feel the things I felt. I thought everybody else was being hypocrites and I constantly was accusing people of being hypocrites like like you know look at them smiling and being all nice like you know I mean he's a dog they know he's a dog and they're just treating him like that before snake I didn't think he was a dog but you know they're just acting like he's he's this great person because he's the pastor I mean that's I think what was going through my mind I, I just thought everybody was just being hypocritical and it was amazing to me that they couldn't see what I saw. Um, and then once I was seated and, uh, you know, the, the preaching started, the man's up on this huge stage. It was a really large church. And he's, you know, doing the preacher thing, raising his voice, getting loud and walking back and forth. And as he's walking back and forth, it literally was to me in my mind. I didn't physically see it. But in my mind's eye, it was as if a snake was slithering from one side of the stage to the other. Now, I don't know to what extent this man was a bad person. Um, I do know one thing about him, that he was a snake. And I don't, there could have been more to it. And, and maybe that's why that intuition was so strong in me. You know, more to it that was never proven. But what was proven, uh, several months later, um, my uncle was visiting and he's talking to my mom and he's telling her about how his preacher was arrested and now he's got to find a new church and blah, blah, blah. And the reason he was arrested is he was basically scamming 
people in the church to get more money donated and he was taking the money instead of using it for the church he was actually stealing that money from the church and and he was building his own personal house with it so he got uh arrested uh, i don't know if, if you know what specific charge he was charged with i just know that he was caught and he was arrested so he definitely was a snake but maybe even worse than that you know who knows what else he was doing he could have been a child molester and maybe that was you know why i felt so strongly that he was a snake but there was at least that small um verification that i was right that he he was a snake at least in that sense um so funny enough that didn't convince me that I was special or I knew anything that anybody else didn't. Um, I still denied my intuition years later when that happened, when I met the guy um, at the bar with my uh, boss, the PI. So it took a lot, lot of years for me to trust myself. I'm talking, I really didn't start accepting my intuition until my probably early 40s. And even then, I, I had no clue that it was because I was an intuitive empath. I had several Christian friends who um, always said the same thing, you know. They said that I had the gift of discernment, and that's what that intuition was. Um, so I accepted that for a little while, uh, even though I wasn't a Christian myself. So anyway, um, that's two examples and I also um, you know there are dream empaths as well and there must be a little bit of that in me because I also had an incident uh, let's see I think I was 19 I was either 19 or 20 when I had this dream that I was it started off where I was with my mother in some kind of office and she was writing my paycheck and I thanked her and I, after I got it and I walked away. And um, so it starts like that and then it ends with me being in this car. And I, the only thing I remember about the car is the dash. I had looked down at the dashboard and I saw, you know, the, the RPM meter thing and the, your speedometer, the gas gauges, you know, all of that kind of stuff on the dash of the car. And then uh, I briefly looked up from the dash and smash. I was apparently dead. That was the end of the dream. So it was so bizarre that first of all, it started with my mom writing me a paycheck and it's not like she owned a business or was anywhere close to owning a business um, that I would be working for her and she would write me a check. So it was a very odd dream, but it was so realistic and and just felt so real that I remember I immediately called my mother and I told her about the dream and she's like wow that is weird um, told my husband my first husband at the time and I told my best friend um, maybe a few other people so a lot of people knew about the dream so what happened is several years go by um, and I'm still in my 20s but it, but late 20s probably at this point and I'm shopping for a car. And, um, oh, I gotta, I gotta 
slide back a little bit okay before this I would say probably two it was about two two to three years after I had the dream I had uh, gone with my husband well actually right after the dream um, because when I had the dream we were we were already scheduled to go to uh, California where he was from and we were going to be staying with one of his friends until we got on our feet um, I really didn't want to go but I was kind of raised to follow your husband and and he wanted to go he hated Florida and he, and he loved California and he said I would love it so I agreed and um, so when I had this dream I was being I was already packing and such and knew I was going to be moving to California so uh, we go to California we were there like a year and then had to come back because it was so hard to find a job both of us had difficulties finding a job um, so finally we just came back to Florida my uh, father helped us come back home and then get us a, a small little house uh, you know just to rent so we were back home uh, and I was again looking for a job and I totally not thinking about this dream it, it like I said it was maybe um, let's see it's now been a couple years since the dream and <clears throat> looking for a job and then I find out my mom tells me that they're actually hiring um, an entry-level uh, person in the accounting department where she worked at her job and uh, that I should apply that it was a great job had good benefits blah 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 so I went ahead and applied and I got the job and uh, I worked there about a year and I would say about six months after I started there there was a the main office for this company was in New York City and so our paychecks were printed in New York City. They were actually flown down um, on, I think it was Thursdays, and then we got our checks on Friday. So something with the weather in New York happened where the plane couldn't come, so they had notified us that we wouldn't get our checks on Friday um, and probably wouldn't get them to the following, I don't know if it was Monday or Wednesday or whatever but I was so financially strapped and I had bills that had to be paid that Friday and literally no money to eat off of um, so I had actually gone to my mother and said uh, is there any way you because our checks were the exact same amount every week so I knew what I was going to be paid and I was like can you just possibly write me a check for the exact amount and as soon as I get my check I'll just sign it over to you and she agreed um, so she wrote, she sat there at her desk in her office and was writing me a check for my paycheck, the exact amount. And that's when I got deja vu and I was like, oh my God, do you remember when I told you about this dream, blah, blah, blah? And she remembered and she was like, oh my God, that's so weird. Yeah. So we were both kind of tickled about that and kind of smiling that I actually had a dream that came true. And it never occurred to me that, hey, there's a second part to that dream, Darlene, you know, <laughs> pay attention. Uh, but that was the whole purpose of that portion of the dream was to show me, look, this is real and this is going to happen to you. So I don't know what was warning me or why, but something wanted me to be careful and, and know. 
Um, so we got past that. And as you do, you know, you're living your life, things are happening, um, and you totally forget about those little things, right? So another year probably has gone by, and I'm looking for a car. Um, me and my husband had been sharing a car up until this point. So um, I was going looking for a car. I was with my best friend at the time, and um, we were at this car dealership, and I saw this really cute car that was like a gold color, um, and I absolutely fell in love with it, and I, I wanted the car even before I sat inside of it. So, and it, there was nothing special about it, not, um, but for some reason, it, it grabbed me. It kind of called to me, so to speak. And I wanted the car from the moment I saw it. So I sit inside, and as soon as I sit inside the car, my best friend has already gotten in on the passenger side of the car. And she's like, this is really nice. And I'm kind of quiet and I'm just staring at the dash. And she's like, Darlene, what's wrong? And I said, oh my God, Brenda, this is the car. She's like, what are you talking about? And I said, do you remember the dream where my mom wrote me the paycheck and then I'm in a car and I crash or something? I don't know, just something happened where I felt like in the dream I had died. And she's like, oh my God then don't get the car <laughs> and this is how much I didn't believe in myself I bought the car right what an idiot I bought the car I even saying that to her and I hesitated right before I was about to sign on the dotted line I hesitated and the salesman thought you know it was maybe the price or this and so he, you know, he keeps trying to sell me and I'm like, look, look, I really want the car. It's not that. And then I just signed it just to get it over with. Like I wanted the car that bad that I was willing to ignore the fact or in my mind convince myself that I was wrong and that that wasn't the car dash I had seen in my dream. And I got the car. So uh, about a year after that, I'm driving to the P.I.'s. Um, office where I worked and I would say I worked there half the time at, at his house because his off his, he had turned one of his garages he had a beautiful huge ranch home and one of the garages had been turned into an office and that's where me and a couple other girls worked um, so I was driving there Oh, and the other half of the time, I was able to work from home because uh, I had my own computer to connect to the databases. But, um, but so, yeah, I, this was one of the days I had to, to go into work and drop off some of the reports I'd done. So I'm driving to work, and there's this huge horse trailer in front of me uh, pulling, I would say, you know, one of those double uh, trailers that you put, like, two horses in. And he's going so slow. Like, I guess you can't. You know, you're not going to be speeding with where you're pulling a couple of horses. This guy's going like 25, right? And he's on a one-way, well, no, two-way traffic, but it one, you know, there's one lane for whoever's going north, one, one lane for the southbound traffic. Um, so there isn't like a double lane that I can pass. So I'm, I'm trying to be patient, but I did not have a whole lot of patience back then. And so I 
finally I'm like I look and there's no cars coming it's completely clear and I'm like okay I can pass him and I got over into oncoming traffic but it was clear uh, in order to pass him I don't think I legally was allowed to pass him you know it was like a I think a, a solid line there but I go to pass him and right when I'm about side by side with him he swerves a little into my lane and it scared me and so I swerve a little bit to the left and my tire I could literally feel it pop off the gravel and then pop back on and when it popped back on it it just made me lose total control of the car I, the, the, the wheels started spinning in my hands um, so it was similar to the the, the the I give up feeling that I had when uh, the the man had put his hands around my neck I went limp I mean the thought in my head was wow this is it this is how it ends you know I knew I was dead and I literally didn't even try to fight the steering wheel or do anything I just stopped I let go I let go of the wheel I closed my eyes and I don't remember anything that happened until I opened my eyes and I was lying on the ground and I went to get up realized I couldn't get up and then trying to figure out why I looked down and there's a car on top of me so I was told by the the guy who was behind me and saw the accident happen the horse trailer kept going but the guy behind me um, stopped of course when he saw what happened and called an ambulance and um, so when I, I was there's a there's another story in here which is a story for another time so I'm gonna skip over it um, the man who was behind me um, is the one that told me what happened because he saw everything happen because I, like I said I closed my eyes and let go of the wheel and just waited to die basically um, so what actually did happen the man who was behind me called the hospital while I was in the hospital and wanted to check on me and the nurses had put him through and he told me that I had that the car spun about two or three times and then I went head first through the windshield flew several hundred feet landed on the ground and then the car started flipping and landed on top of me but again I don't remember the in-between spots I only know that because the guy told me and I just it's like I woke up and there was a car on top of me and funny enough and luckily enough um, you know how there's always onlookers that stop and a bunch of people had stopped and when I opened my eyes and looked around you know this is I'm guessing maybe five to ten minutes after the first time I had opened my eyes um, I see all these people around me and there's all these big men like muscular men not like again not like weight training muscular but but firm muscular men strong men and my the only thing I said the whole time to anybody was between all you big guys you can't get this car off of me <laughs> and they all kind of looked at each other like oh well yeah I guess we can <laughs> so
so one of them, you know, looks inside the car and makes sure I'm not all tangled in metal or anything, but no, it's just laying straight on top of me. And so about six of them uh, heaved the car off of me and it rolled down a hill. And I think that's, you know, why my legs didn't get crushed because they got it off of me in time. Um, they were extremely swollen when I was in the hospital, uh, like at least two times their size. And I had one small hairline fracture in a minor bone in my left leg. Other than that, which didn't, by the way, didn't even need to be cast. They put one of those like Velcro kind of casts on it. So it wasn't even a real cast. And, um, I had, I didn't have a scratch on me, no blood, no nothing, head first through a windshield and not a scratch on me, which is, so something and someone was protecting me. Um, and there's another story, like I said, that goes, I don't think it belongs here on intuition. Maybe when we have a, a spiritual kind of talk, just keep in mind that there's another piece to this story that I'm kind of leaving out at this point, but we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Um, but the, the main point of the story, of course, is the dream that I had. And obviously it came true, but something protected me anyway. And I'm thinking maybe because I had that dream, it's why I gave up so quickly. It's why I went, well, this is it. Because in my mind, it was a, a definitive that I was going to die at that point. Um, and maybe if that hadn't happened, if I hadn't had that dream, maybe I would have fought the, the steering wheel and, and I would have tried to break or done something that would have caused a, a more horrific outcome. And I think because I let go and, and even the, the guy that behind me said that I was limp like a rag doll, like it just looked like a doll had been thrown through the windshield. Um, and I, again, had no conscious recollection of that time, so I, I had gone inside myself somewhere. Um, and maybe that's why I wasn't hurt, because there was no tension in my body. I didn't struggle, I didn't fight, no nothing. And I really think that's what saved my life and, and kept me from maybe a horrible outcome. And if I hadn't had that dream, probably would have fought, you know? So... I think the first objective, obviously, of the dream was don't buy the car, but I ignored my intuition. So this, this second part is that because of the dream, I think I, I'm alive because I didn't fight it. So those are just a few incidences of, um, I, I've had more, but you know, we've already been here about 40 minutes. I don't want to keep you too much longer um, but that's just a, a, a little example of, of things that I've experienced throughout my life that um, in whether it be intuition in my gut um, I, I know the dream empathy is a little bit off the topic but I kind of see it as I mean that it, it was intuition from from a dream I guess you would call that maybe psychicness I don't know but um, I haven't studied too much about dream empaths but it's definitely something I'm interested in that I'll have to look into more. But, you know, I, I can only, I think there's only been one other dream anyway that I had that um, came true. Um, but, but so, I want you, if you, if you hear, I, I 
pretty much just kind of entertaining you with these stories in this episode, but there is a learning point here, right? And that's listen to your intuition. Your intuition is, is not you being paranoid. It's real. And the people that learn to trust their gut have a great life because they know when to turn left and when to turn right. In other words, they can make correct decisions based on what their gut is telling them. So if you take nothing from this episode, please take that, that when you have that gut feeling, listen to it. Please listen to it. Your intuition is can save your life or at least give you a better life. So that is all for me today, and I want to thank everyone for joining me today and staying through for the entire podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I look forward to seeing you next week. In the meantime, if you'd like to visit our website, it is www.embattledempaths.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Embattled Empaths, and we're also on Instagram and Twitter. So again, thanks for joining me and I will see you next week.